When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com. Giants reporter with the post-draft edition of this podcast. We're going to talk to Jeff Schwartz in a few minutes, former Giants lineman. He knows Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau, the two Giants first-round picks, very well. I'm going to go over where we went wrong in this draft in regards to our the pre-draft analysis. We'll get to that later in uh, Jordan on the Beat. But let's start with the Giants draft overall. And I'll say this, and I wrote an article on it. If I'm looking at it from an outside perspective, and I'm looking at it compared to the previous four years, the previous eight years, the previous even 10 years, and you look at the process overall, that to me is where you see the biggest difference, right? Two trade backs, picking up more picks, ending up with 11 picks. This is a team whose roster is bad, right? It's not good. They need as many players as humanly possible. So if you could move back first two spots in the second round, collect another draft pick. At that point, it was a fifth rounder. Move back another, what, 36 to 43, another seven spots, pick up a fourth rounder. You do it. You move around the board. You show your elasticity. So that's where I think you got to be happy about what Joe Shane did. You see a purpose of everything he's doing so far this offseason. You see a purpose, even all his visits. His visits produced a lot of the players. Like They did their extra work on the players that they were going to draft. And that makes a ton of sense this year. Because remember, Joe Shane is working with a front office that was guided by Dave Gettleman up until what? Three months ago. So he needs to do his own work kind of on everybody. So make sure him and the coaching staff get their hands on the players that they like to know that they they could feel comfortable enough for them as people and players before they make the selection. So overall process, I give them an A. Now, two first round picks, I think you're very happy with. But I'm going to throw cold water on it a little bit, a little bit. Get to that in a second, though. Evan Neal, love that pick. By everyone that I talk to, seems like he's probably the best all-around lineman in this draft. And the Giants need the best all-around tackle in this draft. He could slide in on the right side. Makes sense for the Giants. Has played there before, right? They have Andrew Thomas. You'd rather not move Andrew Thomas. You don't want to move Andrew Thomas. You already have an offensive lineman, a left tackle, who's at the very least competent. Probably played a little better than that. Played above average most of last year. So if you have an above average left tackle, you don't want to mess with that, especially considering his rookie year was a disaster. It was a mess. So you don't want to mess with anything there. You stick with it. You have a left tackle. He's pretty much your only piece you know you have long term. You stick with that. Now you have Evan Neal. You throw him on the right side. Okay, now we're now we're we're cooking. Now we got something to work with. Now Daniel Jones has bookend tackles. That could protect him. Now, if you could get 
some some competence in the interior. Last year, that was probably the weakness of the the, the line, and that's saying a lot because right tackle was a mess. But the interior was was a disaster. You get some semblance of of competence out there, and now you're kind of in business. So Evan Neal to me is a slam dunk. You know, athletic, strong dude was 378 pounds in the eighth grade. Can you imagine that? Imagine showing up in eighth grade and you're like, oh, I want to play football. I'm going to play football in eighth grade here in, in, in middle school, middle school. And you show up and the dude next to you is 378 pounds. I'd be like, yo, I'm out. No, thanks. You know, what did you weigh in eighth grade? I think I, I mean, I weighed 145 when I graduated high school, maybe 150. So what, in eighth grade, I was like 120 pounds. Dude had 260 pounds on me. I wouldn't even want to go near that. Even when, when Evan Neal said that on the podium at his introductory press conference, Kayvon Thibodeau was like, whoa, what? Making a face like, holy cow. Yeah, 378 pounds in eighth grade. Who wants a piece of that? I did see footage of him in uh, as a younger player pre-high school, and it looked exactly like you would think. This adult, like Andy Reid in the punt pass kick competition. Yeah, I, mean, I know you've seen that video. They've shown it a gazillion times. That's, that was Evan Neal running around pancaking little twerps. Now, the other Giants first round pick, Kayvon Thibodeau. Here's what I do like about him. I would be, I was in favor of pass rusher over cornerback. Now, I thought the Giants, if they had their druthers, I heard that they were that high on Sauce Gardner that they would have taken him. But for me, positionally, if I had my choice, I'd say, well, I'd much rather have an edge rusher. I think it's more impactful to have a quality edge rusher than to have a cornerback in today's NFL. Because I don't care how good these cornerbacks are. It's really hard to be Darrell Revis, you know, competent level, which is kind of what you're aiming for when you're drafted in, you know, a top five pick, basically. I don't know if you can get there, but you take even a lesser version. But that's really hard to come by in today's NFL. These shutdown, lockdown cornerbacks, seem to be rarer and rarer and rarer these days. So I would have preferred Edge. So on the surface, Thibodeau, yeah, I like the pick. Now, where I'm a little concerned, and the more people I talk to, the more people I seem to get the same answer, is that the feeling around the league, and I'm talking about from several executives I spoke to, a couple scouts, a few coaches, they were pretty much all in agreement. And this isn't Thibodeau's fault. And I still think it's a good pick. But I think we need to set the expectations here and make them realistic. And to say, you know, to expect him to be the, you know, Von Miller, uh, Miles Garrett, uh, even Chase Young. He's not that level of prospect. The knock, according to everyone I spoke to, pretty much across the board was they looked at him. He's not very big. And even when I watched some when I watched some clips of him, I kind of came away like, oh, well, yeah, they're right. He's not He's not very big. Like, when he comes to the NFL, he's going to look a little smallish on that defensive line. But not very big, doesn't have great counter moves, and then his desire to work and get better, that's something that has been questioned. Most people didn't have a concern with that. But they did look at the, the prospect as a good, not great prospect. This is what I went back and circled back with some people today. Um, uh, let me get this, hold on, let me get to the right page and get to this rundown. Okay. So he'll be an 
an average plus pressure player. That's what somebody told me. I think he'll be a six to eight guy, six to eight sack guy consistently, right? So we're talking about a guy that they think is going to be a good player. And that's like, uh, I don't know, Olivier Vernon did that. Yeah. Another person. I think he'll be okay. I don't, I don't know forever, forever if he'll ever be this world beater because the athlete's good enough, not special. He's not a freak. In a better draft, he's in the teens. And then another person. I think there were people who didn't like the player, you know, that he was probably not top 10 worthy. So these are the kind of comments you're getting on. So good player, not great. So I think it's re- we have to be realistic with the expectations we set here. I know people are like, he was supposed to be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, he was a five-star recruit. He was talked up for three years. When people went and evaluated the player from top to bottom, they saw good and not great player. And the only reason he's probably sitting here and drafted at five is because the top of the draft didn't have those kind of players that are generally connected with the top you know, five or ten picks. So... I think we should temper the expectations on Thibodeau just a bit. Just a bit. Because I know everyone's going to be out there saying he's a top five pick. He should be a double-digit sack guy every year. He's this freakish talent. I don't know if that's the case. I don't think that's the case. He has a a top-notch, high-end, dominant first step. That's his skill. If he could develop more on the pass rush, maybe he could, he can Get to that next level, and that'll be a big thing is how the Giants develop him here. But I caution, and I, I mean, that's my concern, just a little bit. Now, the second round, Wandale Robinson. A lot of people wanted to knock, okay, you know, smallest receiver in the slot doesn't make a lot of sense. I think, from listening to the Giants, they're going to run a lot of four and five receiver sets. They're not loaded at tight end. Remember that for a second. Who's their starting tight end? Ricky Seals-Jones? They don't have much at tight end. I know they drafted Daniel Bellinger in the fifth round. We'll get to him in a second. but. You're talking about a team that isn't especially strong at tight end. They're going to run a lot of four and five wide. So there'll be plenty of opportunities for Wendell Robinson and Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Toney to be playing inside. A lot of times, two of them, maybe even three of them together. So, and as far as Wendell Robinson, who, by the way, is 5'8 and is undersized, being overdrafted, I spoke to a few people the last couple of days inside the league. And the, the general consensus was that's about within the range that they had, these were people from other teams, had him slotted. So they didn't really buy the overdrafted uh, the overdrafted narrative that's kind of out there on Wendell Robinson in the second round. Uh, the thing is, he will constantly be compared to the players drafted after him. Uh, Mechie from Alabama, Tyquan Thornton from Baylor. Uh, George Pickens from Georgia, who, by the way, a lot of teams had concerns about as a person on top of the injuries. So that's why George Pickens probably didn't even go higher. Uh, Alec Pierce and Moore, forgetting what Moore's first name is off the top of my head here. I just have Moore listed down my paper. But you get the point. So those guys are all drafted in the second round, not long after Wendell. And people are like, oh, they should have went. Oh, Sky Moore. That's who that is. That's right. People are like, oh, Sky Moore should should have drafted him. But within range was the response I got from most people on Wendell Robinson. Now, played some running back. I met, he went to Nebraska, then Kentucky. So he's been used all over the field, all over the formation. So playmaker, I think that's fair. 
little bit of a concern uh, athletically. Didn't test off the charts. Ran a four four four, which is a solid number, but is you know broad jump, vertical leap, below average for for the position. So you wonder if he's not a special athlete, and he's five eight, does it translate? Something to keep an eye on. But overall, I got from people good player, gadget players, how some people describe them. But I I don't have any concern with that. I think you know second round pick wide receiver. Should be should be able to contribute immediately and be, be a quality player. Josh Izuda, Izudu in the third round, pick 67, a guard from UNC. Heard there were teams out there with second and third round grades on him. A little raw on technique side, uh, but great feet. And that's what the Giants have sort of been looking for. That That's kind of what I heard. They're going to run this spread offense. They're going to spread it out. They want their offensive linemen to be able to move. That's why Evan Neal makes sense. That's why Josh Azudu makes sense. You know, this is what they want. And it makes you wonder, you know, the previous regime loved Shane Lemieux, thought he was going to be a quality starter. Does Shane Lemieux really fit what this new regime is wanting to do? Shane Lemieux is more of the, you know, uh, more physical road grader type offensive lineman. So it makes me question the more and more crumbs that are put out there, whether Shane Lemieux is going to be a fit in what they're looking for at that left guard spot. But right now, that left guard spot is just going to be a wide open competition. I mean, you're talking about Izudu, uh, fifth round pick, uh, McKeithen, uh, Marcus McKeithen, also from North Carolina. He's going to start at guard, you know, in his career. So they're going to have move him inside. So those two will be in the competition. You have Shane Lemieux in the competition. You have uh, Max Garcia, who's going to be in that competition. You have Jamil Douglas, who's probably going to be in that competition. To just throw a lot of bodies at it and try and find someone that they could find and be competent at that spot, that left guard spot. Right guard is going to be Mark Lewinsky. They signed him to play there. Center is going to be John Feliciano. They signed him to play there. And then you get the two bookend tackles. So if they could get that left guard right, they look like they're going to be okay. Should be improvement on that line. I'm not going to say fixed completely, but there should be improvement. Again, like the Joe Shane thing. Low bar. Low bar. The other third-round pick, Cordale Flock. A flot, actually. Nickname, flot. Skinny, uh, but long. Room to grow. Uh, probably a slot cornerback. Uh, Going to guard in the slot for a while. The, uh, the knock on him, he might have problems versus size in the NFL, but we'll see if he can grow into that young player. They needed help in that secondary badly, so you see why they drafted him. You see why they drafted in the fourth round Dane Belton, another versatile player, safety, but he's played in the box. He played the star position at Iowa, a guy who's going to be a, a, an immediate contributor on special teams. That's the key word here, according to Joe Shane with his draft class, especially late. Versatility. Guys that fit what they want to do, that they can move around and use in specific packages. Um, traits, guys. Dane Belton ran very well. Ran better than people expected. So hope that, hey, we can hit on a couple of these guys. The traits, they're versatile. Maybe they can grow into players that people, you know, aren't seeing right now. So that's going to be the theme, especially the late part of this draft. Daniel Bellinger, he fits in there. Ran better than expected. All potential is what somebody told me because San Diego State barely used him. A quality teams player, good blocker. But showed enough athleticism to make you think, hey, Maybe he could develop into something. And what you hear is, 
hey, maybe he's Joe Shane's Dawson Knox, who's a qual- now a quality tight end who was drafted in the mid-rounds for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, another second, fifth rounder, DJ Davidson. He's going to be a depth piece, a nose tackle. Expect him to kind of contribute right away, 24 years old, out of Arizona State. I mentioned McKeithen before, a guy who's played tackle and guard, both in the same drive at times, uh, has that flexibility. The Giants kind of liked him there. And then the sixth-round pick, again, Darian Beavers, another guy. See? Versatile, versatile, versatile. Played some safety. Played linebacker. Inside, outside. Giants can use him in multiple packages. That's what Wink Martindale, the new defensive coordinator, wants to do. He wants to have guys coming from all different places, lined up all over the place, and so that the offense doesn't know who's coming, right? Who's blitzing at that time. And Micah McFadden, who I missed, by the way, the other, the third fifth round pick, same mold. Good blitzer. Plays inside and outside. Again, common theme versatility, right? Over and over again, you're hearing the same thing. Versatility. So with that being said, as a whole, you got 11 players. And I'm a big believer. You want to throw, if you, look, this is an inexact science. If half these guys hit, that's a good draft class, right? If six of the 11 hit, a little greater than 50%, it's a great draft class. So to me, it makes more sense, especially in the middle rounds. A draft that's supposed to be pretty good in the middle rounds. Strength by numbers. Give me more lottery tickets. Dave Gettleman couldn't understand that. The simplest concept in the world. Joe Judge had to push him last year. Push him to finally trade back, right? And the best thing the Giants did in the last few years was trade back last year and get that extra first-round pick this year. That turned into Evan Neal. Give me more lottery tickets. It increases your chance of winning. Not a hard concept, but one that Joe Shane seems to understand. So with that being said, you finally get a draft that you can go home and be happy with. Because Evan Neal is a guy that you really can't even nitpick. Kayvon Thibodeau, there's a lot of potential there to be a really good player in the NFL. Maybe not great, but really good. That first step he has is special. Maybe they can develop him into something great that a lot of the insiders in the league, scouts, executives, whatever, coaches didn't see right now. But that first step is a damn good thing to have to work with. Wandale Robinson, quality player. He's going to be a playmaker in this league, according to most people. They believe it. So with that being said, you look at it and you say, okay, you know, Joe Shane's first draft, we'll, we could sit here and Critique a little bit. Hey, they overshot on a couple, you know, second, third, fourth round guys. That's fine. We don't know that though. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of these people who sits here and says, oh, terrible pick. No, we'll find that on the when the evaluation. The evaluation will come later on. Give give it a year and you can kind of get a, a good gist of what these guys are. Until then, the actual player, we could have opinions, but nobody really knows. I mean, 50% of first round picks bust out. For God's sakes. So these people who spend their life evaluating, they don't know. Which is why more lottery tickets. Simple concept. Took this team till 2022 to figure it out. Meanwhile, the Ravens, who've been consistently good for what? 20-something years? They have picks out the wazoo. The Patriots picks out the wazoo. The Eagles picks out the wazoo. Finally, the Giants seem to realize. Better late than never. On to the next one.
All right, let's bring on Jeff Schwartz, former Giants offensive lineman, now media mogul, uh, has his own big boys club run before the draft, which is uh, really, what do, you, what, do you, what do you call it? How do you describe it, Jeff? Is it a TV piece for, for Fox yeah. Sports? Yeah, it's basically, you know, Gruden's quarterback camp, but for offensive linemen, right? Um, okay. You know, they, they don't, we don't do 30-minute episodes for every lineman, but uh, we have the big, you know, the show, the, the, the package show that's about an hour long. I mean, if it gets... Digitally, it's about 43 minutes long, right? For TV, it ends up being an hour. And then we have individual pieces for each guy that are eight to 10 minutes. Uh, we watch some film. We talk a little bit about life and those. So we end up having six-ish, you know, the long show plus the five individual pieces. And we have some other stuff we might we might create out of that. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, we get to know these offensive linemen. And we've been very fortunate to have um, a lot of guys drafted early in the draft. Right. And then you also had three of the top four linemen, including Evan Neal, which is one of the reasons yeah, yes. why you're we, here. And again, so this is, I mean, this is Duke's doing, right? He gets these guys. Right. I don't like Duke Manyweather he's talking about, yes. who's both of our friends, but yeah, offensive line guru. I know yeah. he doesn't like that term, but. Yeah, he, but so it's it's credit to Duke for getting these guys, but then we get them on the show. So it's a lot of fun to do. And I think it's a position people don't know a lot about. So when guys get drafted, it's fun to share like, hey, Giants fans, here's your new left tackle. I guess he might play right tackle, but yeah. you know, here are Seattle fans. Here's your left tackle. Saints fans, here's Trevor Penning. And so. Um, even for the Chiefs, got Darren Kennard in the fifth round, and the Patriots got Stuber, I believe, in the seventh round. So it's a lot of fun to do, and um, uh, you know, the guys enjoy it. I think people enjoy watching, uh, learning about offensive linemen. Well, well, we'll get to Evan Neal in a minute, but I, I actually caught, you know, I, I got caught up. I watched it on YouTube this morning, Big Boys Club. Uh, what do you learn? And it's a big jump. This is the, this is the second year. Yes. So I noticed it's like, it's like a big jump. What are you learning about this TV game there? <laughs> well, I, I, so I see this about, about TV and I, you know, I, I've done this show. I'm actually have, have another show that will be out in September um, that I have to kind of keep a little secret right now, but I will continue that. And that's a good TV. See, you're I, learning. I, yes. You're learning this a, game. Jeff. A, a call about a, we're going to be filming um, uh, next couple of weeks again. So, um, you know, is, um, is that, I'm I'm an offensive lineman, so I'm good at executing. So like, you tell me what to do, and I'll do it. I'm not the creative person. Like I'm not like coming up with the creative ideas on what to do. Like you know the the, the whole pedicure, like that was not me. The minivan wasn't me. Like the little, uh, I thought one of my favorite parts was the little guys that we moved around, like um, and did that like little a, almost like the army, uh, yeah. the little army soldier pieces, yeah. but uh, football players, yes, on the table. Um, I don't come up with any of that. I'm good at executing. I'm an offensive lineman. Tell me who to block. Tell me what to do, and I'll execute it at a high level. So um, the other thing I learned about doing TV is is a lot of setup and then waiting. Like, you just, like, wait. Yeah. So everything's set up. I mean, you know, like, you might be outside. I mean, I'm sure that like, you've been outside doing a hit, and you're there, like, an hour. And they're like, all right, we're coming to you, and you do it for three minutes. And you're like, well, how about, all right. how about 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah, okay. If you're like, okay, well. I'm set up for an hour, but that's the way it feels like with this. I mean, look, and the quality of this year to last year, I'm not saying last year was bad, but you know, we got the, the first season. We did it in like two weeks, like filmed it, edited it out. And this time we had so much more time. We had more cameras, we had better cameras and we had a, a full staff. And so it was just better quality. Right. And the music was, was better. It, just, it all looked better because we just had more time to do it. It wasn't that the first episode was bad for season. There's just more time. We, we, again, we started playing this in December where last time it was a tweet. I sent out in March, the, the bosses saw it 
And we got a green light like middle of March and this is out by, you know, middle of, of April. So right. this process this year was just a lot, a lot easier to do because we had more time. But again, like I'm just there to film the, the, the Fox digital team, editing it, putting it together, getting it ready. That's all them, man. That, that's not me at all. So I give them all the credit for making it look good. So this is kind of, is this kind of what you envisioned when you came to the Giants for the, the benefits of being in the New York market and getting, <laughs> getting into this, you know, media, media TV, uh, yeah, entertainment I, game. You know, I always wanted to do it. You know, I grew up um, in Los Angeles and I listened to, um, you know, Vin Scully and Chick Hearn call games. And I just felt very fortunate. That, that's obviously the Dodgers and, and Lakers uh, announced. Chick Hearn not being portrayed too great in this. Uh, no, winning I, time no, thing, you know, way. I'm actually surprised. So him and Jerry West are getting just roasted in this show. Uh, yeah, Chick Hearn. I, I, it's funny because. I don't know what's real. It's a, it's a drama, right? It's yeah. dramatized. Like, you don't know what's real, what's not. But I'm like, man, I grew up, like, loving this guy. He seems like a big jerk behind the scenes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I I had no idea. I'm watching him like, wow, Chick Hearn, I thought it was just this legend. But, hey, yeah. he's not getting jerk. portrayed very nicely. Yeah. So, but- um, so, so I, I, you know, I think a lot of us wanted to call games. I'm like, sweet. It would be so fun to, like, call games. Um, and then that's what every athlete wants to do. And when I got to New York, you know, I did some TV stuff, you know, on Tuesdays and whatnot. Uh, during the season a little bit and I just I never know what I wanted to do and now I feel like um, I'm in a good spot where I love doing the radio stuff that I do you know the TV stuff is is fun I mean you know TV stuff it's interesting you get you get paid more and do less than radio it's a different type of vibe when you're on TV um, and then you know I, I've always wanted to do this type of show with offensive linemen and I found a willing po- partner in Fox Sports because um, otherwise it's hard to get made you need to have rights for the footage and that's one thing that's what i learned the rights yeah oh geez the rights for the footage it's a big um it's a big deal it's a it's it's big pull and pull you can only use certain things so many minutes and like there's a lot of get made i can make it on my own but i'm gonna get you know i'm gonna get a season assist on on youtube if i post these clips without without getting um express written consent so um it just it's I, i never thought i would do a show like this i tried for years to pitch it and get it done and then we went to fox when i was there last year and, and we got it done so i think they really like it it's like their big digital project of the year um and it gets a lot of it gets a lot of views man it, it gets a lot of attention so i think they're happy well, with it well we know it's next right you want the you've been a big proponent of this for a while now you want the offensive line expert on the broadcast sort of like the how yes. they have the kicking experts so i that, i that's, don't that's where we're going why. here so we're going to put that out there if anyone's watching Offensive line expert on the NFL broadcast, kind of like they have you have the kicking expert or the officiating expert. Yes, like, I don't know. I think that would be a valuable part of the game. I mean, it's a bigger part of the game than at least the kicking part of the game is. So and, I don't, and, and no I don't see why like, not to Jay Feely, but it's like it's they're like Jay, what's it's it's windy out there. You have to kick it harder. I mean, uh, oh, I think Jim Nance could tell us that. Yeah, I think I think the normal Joe. We'll get to Evan Neal in a second because people are like you know cut the crap. Let's get to the, let's get to the Giants draft picks already. But we like the kicking stuff is more relatable to the normal Joe. Yes. Than the offensive line stuff. Like we can understand kicking and we can understand the wind and how it's a big deal and you know all, you know and and the snap needs to be good. Like it seems to be on a more explainable you know, version than the offensive line, which is like, just, you know, Greek to think, the normal but Joe. Th- but I think that I can make it, I can make it uh, easier to learn. Like, I think I do a good job of it. I could explain it in those moments 
and let people get insight into the position, just like we do with kickers. Like I think I can do that. If you give me 30 seconds on a broadcast to be like, here's what happened. I think I could do a good job where people get something out of watching that segment. All right. So we're, it's out there. We know, we, we, we know where this needs to go, but uh, let's get to what the people want. They want to know about Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. You're a pack, uh, pack is pack 12 expert. I almost said pack. Don't put, don't, this is East coast bias just coming in right away. Don't even know the name of our conference. Well, I say it about them. I mean, you know, the, the, all these other conferences, I can't get any of their names right anymore. There are too many, too much changing, but anyway, you, you do the pot, uh, pack 12, your yes. uh, analyst out there. So you, and you went to Oregon. So you're, you're plugged into that. Yes. Uh, you know, that school, that community. So we'll get to Thibodeau in a second, but let's start with Evan Neal. You go, you're doing this big boys club. He's one of the main guys you go there. You ha- what do you know about him? What do you learn? And, and what do you come away thinking? Well, I, I don't, you know, I don't know the players personally until I get there. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Duke obviously knows those guys and you know that if Duke takes someone, he's, he's asking for their character, right? He's not just training anybody, but I think that I come away talking to Neil and learning his story, just about how mature he is. Right. He's just a very mature individual. You know, he had to go, go away quotes. Right. I mean, he went to IMG. It's not like he went away, right. but you know, you went, and he's went, from Florida. He yeah. stayed in the state of Florida. Yeah. So he so wasn't he, like, you know, yeah, he left but still, home. he's, you're living away from home yes. as a, 16 year old whatever yeah but you're doing it also at img it's not like you're going to you're going to a a good spot to be at but nonetheless he moved away from home when he was 16 he's at img he goes to alabama you know he's played in a lot of big time games he's played a lot of different positions he played well he's a very mature three years three positions yeah he's just very mature like when you talk to him even like when you saw um him get drafted like it's not it wasn't like in uh, the most emotion I think he he showed was when his parents did that the, you know, the audio where they, his parents like he just kind of like stoic right like yeah he, he just, seems very understated as yes. like a person that's like my first impression for yes. sure like like he expected to be here expected this situation to happen he put in the work you know, he talked about on the show and any other you know you'll, you'll talk to him about this too and it's like he lost all this weight like he understood he hey I'm too heavy. I need to lose weight to play better. And he did all this and he achieved it. So to me, just learning about the person, I watched this film. I know what he does on film before I get there, but it's about learning about who they are as people. I think you're going to be really happy to, to have him just as a leader on that offensive line. Eventually, obviously as a rookie, it might be hard to be a leader, but um, a guy that again, has played a lot of pressure situations and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't back down from having the challenge of playing the big time games. And we know that whether or not the giants are good or not, you're going to have five primetime games. You're going to be on national television a bunch. And, you, and your hope, of course, that eventually you play in some of those bigger games. 380 pounds, he said, in, in uh, eighth grade, yes. which is just – even Kayvon Thibodeau was sitting there when he said that, like, you know, like 380 pounds in eighth grade. Some of the the, the video that I saw of him as, like – Incredible. A, in, like, you know, middle school or, like – it's unbelievable. He's just humongous. He is one – like I, Duke sent me a picture of him next to Makai Becton, and they're both just huge individuals. Oh, wild! But Evan Neal is able to, you know, hold that weight. It seems like effortlessly at 340, 350 pounds to hold that weight like it's nothing. I mean, it, to me, it, it kind of stands out. I mean, what did you notice? What did you notice when you saw him for the first time? Well, yeah, I mean, he carries the weight really well, um, which is which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, the, the way he's able to move, just kind of watching him work out and is very impressive, obviously getting to watch his film. Um, and, you know, he, he still, I think, is able to manipulate his body either direction. If he wants to add 
you know, 10 more pounds of muscle or drop even more weight, he's able to do that. I think there's, he can go in kind of, you know, different directions with that, or even just kind of firm up the, the 337 pounds. So there's a lot of room for him to, to grow uh, with his body. I mean, that's the thing about a lot of these players. I mean, they're 21 years old, man. They, they're not even right. at a, a mature body structure yet. They have, they have three or four, you know, there's that saying in football, like old man strength. It's certainly there, but you get it like 27, 28, yeah. 29, 30. They're, they're still not even there yet. So, um, there's a lot of room for, for growth in his, in his game. There's something he needs to work on as well, but, um, I think you, you added a, a mature player who I thought was the best off the tackle at seven, like the, the giants, there was almost no way to screw it up. In my opinion, I, I tweeted this beforehand, like the way you're five and seven, you kind of, we're going to either get an offensive lineman, a corner or a pass rusher, like mm-hmm. two of those three guys, three and premium positions. Good. And, and they got the two, in my opinion, the, the two guys with the most upside, right? With Evan Neal and with Kayvon Thibodeau. So I like what they did. It's, it's They did well. Even if I expected them to do well, they did just as well as I thought they would. Was would You kind of mentioned, you, you view Neal as the top tackle? Yeah. I, I think his ability Why? to pass protect is just is better right now. And, you know, Icky Aquanu, who went to the Carolina Panthers at six, um, you know, he's a his run blocking might be the best trade of any offensive lineman in this draft. Mm-hmm. We saw last year that the better of the two tackles, Slater and was the better tackle than Panay. So I think Panay will, will be just as good at some point. Was it Rashawn was a better pass protector in college? That translated over pretty well. Panay mm-hmm. was the great run blocker, a little more raw in pass protection. Back to this year, Icky, great, great run blocker, raw in pass protection. Oversets too much, gets beat inside. Evan Neal's a good run blocker, can be great, good pass protector. His issue is he falls off blocks late. So if you get he kind of blocks into someone and then you know gets down the field a little bit and falls off of him. Or in pass protection, he blocks someone, blocks someone, and then they make another move and he falls off that block. That's just a little bit more training and stamina and core strength. So I think Evan Neal was the most ready, and I think he's a tackle. I mean, people, some people view Icky as a guard. And right. so I thought no, I've heard that got, for sure. Yeah, I think the Giants got the best off of the tackle um at seven. So uh they did a really good job. They were obviously okay getting multiple, you know, with multiple of those choices because they passed on the tackle at five, knowing that all three tackles were still yes. there and that they would get one. And the Panthers yep. likely were going to take one. They end up taking a quantum, leaves Giants with Neil, who I believe was their top tackle. You mentioned the the falling off of blocks. Is that do you view that as a long-term concern? Is that something that is instinctive or is that something why do why do you if not why do you think it's a fixable thing well to me it's just about kind of you know like just stamina and core strength right like you're you're kind of just going through the block and then eventually you just your body kind of gets tired a little bit and you fall off the block it doesn't mean he's out of shape but it's something you can really work on with and he's i know he's doing with, with duke just kind of getting your hips stronger and your, your core stronger just to be able to, as you strain to finish someone, you're in a good balanced position. Again, it's not that he doesn't try to finish someone. As he goes to finish someone, he narrows up his base a little bit. Or in past directions, his feet kind of stop a little bit. And so I think the ability to just continue to train those movements and get stronger at those things shouldn't be an issue. But again, it's not like it's a very nitpicky thing. Like he's not, right. it doesn't lead to a lot of issues in this game. But you have a quarterback holds the ball too long. It happened against Auburn, and a guy just slipped off him. Wait, he got a sack. Give him a sack. Now, most coaches would say, hey, the ball should be gone. I get that. Um, but yeah, again, that, that's on him. He's got to be better at that. I think he knows that. And something that it's easily, in my opinion, fixable with proper training. Yeah. Or you might see it when you're running back. Wink, wink. Yeah. 
dances around too much and you're asked to hold your block a little bit longer, yeah. which, hey, might or might not happen with the Giants, you know, let's take one Barkley in the backfield a little more than a little more than most. But uh, anyway, how do you feel knowing now that the Giants, OK, obviously trying to rebuild this line again. It's been a constant since you since you've been here, since before you've been here. Evan Neal on the right side, Andrew Thomas on the right side. Those two young players as your bookend tackles. What do you, how do you feel when you, when I say that? I mean, it's good. It's a good start, right? Um, you know, I think there's, you know, there's kind of two ways to, there's multiple ways to go about team building, but there's, you know, the idea of like, let's just get good players and worry about quarterback later. And the giants are doing that, right? Like, like let's get good mm-hmm. players. Let's get the best tackle, the best pass rusher. We think let's get good players, get them in our offense, get them in our defense. And we'll figure out Daniel Jones after the season, right? Well, well isn't that season. what Buffalo did the yes. first year Brandon Bean got there? What did yeah. they do? That's what they did. Who was their quarterback? It was Tyrod Taylor, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I get the philosophy of like, let's just get good players. And I think the Lions are doing that now. The Lions are a great example. It's like, well, let's just get good players. And when the quarterback situation happens next year, I would imagine we'll go get ourselves, you know, CJ Stroud, or we'll go trade up to get Bryce young. And the giants are putting themselves in that opportunity now of just getting good players, like not worrying about, Oh, do we need a quarterback now? Do we not just get the best offensive lineman, get the best pass rusher, and two positions where we need help. You never have too many of those guys. And especially in that division, there's some good pass rushers that are fighting, they're facing each week. So I really, um, I like what they did. Again, it was, my opinion, it was hard to screw up and mm-hmm. they did the right thing and they didn't screw it up. Well, they just went with what they thought were the, you know, the two best players when they're sitting there picking at those two spots, which, you know, like you said, I mean, that's what you should be doing at this point because yes. they have enough needs. You know, like where we could fill up pretty much every premium position, right? And Including- I'm glad, I'm, you know, I'm glad they didn't trade back. I, I know there's an idea that trading back and get more things. You could have done that, but I think they, they were only going to do it if it was a future first round pick because then that would help them with what you're talking about in regards to the future quarterback and doing it next year. Yeah, no, and I think that other teams around the NFL, you know, they don't scout ahead. They kind of know what's up for next year. I think there's a lot of teams like the like. um Eagles, Dolphins kind of setting themselves up for next year with a lot of draft picks to go get themselves a guy if they want. It's a great contingency plan, right? And yeah. and if you're going to have a contingency plan at one position, you need it at quarterback. So, I mean, the Giants would have loved to. It wasn't the year to do it because, as we saw, the league did not like these quarterbacks at all. They did not I like didn't the quarterbacks. I, I didn't either. I actually thought, out of, I actually thought um, that the NFL teams showed restraint. I was actually very pleased NFL teams – decide not to draft these guys and not go over the top to take guys. I didn't think we're going to be that good in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I had, I honestly, from everyone I heard, they're like, these quarterbacks aren't good. We don't like these quarterbacks. And usually people say that, and then you end up seeing quarterbacks drafted high, but this year, you know, nobody was messing around. They really didn't like these quarterbacks very much. So now we look towards the fifth pick. He actually was the Giants first pick. Kayvon Thibodeau, you saw him play plenty of times oh, yeah. throughout his Oregon career, Oregon alum. Uh, you did games. You've been there for games even this past year. What did you see from him, and how do you see him sort of translating to the NFL? Um, so it's a good question. You know, the, the the character stuff and the love of the game and the arrogant stuff, I mean, some of that, yeah, he, he comes off sometimes as, as liking and caring about a brand, which – 
can you rush the passer or not? I, I, I don't. I, you know, it's so funny, man. Like, we had other players in college football that had podcasts during the season. Like, during the season. No one said anything about that. Yeah. But Kayvon made a comment in the offseason about how he wanted to go to Oregon because he liked the brand-building opportunities over Alabama. He didn't even do any of that in college. You, you know, it, so it's like, it's like, what are we doing here? Um, and you know, we've talked about this privately. Like, I think some of it, like he gave some odd questions on some odd answers um, at the senior bowl and the combine. Like, that's all true. I, I heard the answers. Yeah. You like him to say, I love football all the time. It's all right. I do. Yeah. But like, that's not who he is, right? It's not his personality. If um, you're going to eliminate all the guys that think that way at this point, you're yeah. not going to have a lot of players. This is the <laughs> new age. And Joe Shane said this. This is how the world is. These guys, are, first of all, they make money in college now. They're legitimately, yeah. some of these guys, the top guys, they're making real money. So they're coming in in a different place. They already have outside interests. They have ability right. to do things that you weren't able to do right. when you were at Oregon. Right. So, okay, so about his game. And look, there, there are concerns about, you know, they're talking about his stiffness a little bit. And, his la and I think the biggest concern for me when I watch him play is his hand usage, right? His hands just aren't at the level of Aiden Hutchinson. The question is whether or not they can get better. I certainly think they can, right? Because again, his first step is better than Aiden, better than Trevon Walker. Mm -hmm. His ability to close on a quarterback is really good. When, when he beats an offensive lineman, his ability, and that's what I think that sets a lot of defensive ends apart. It's what Aaron Donald does great. It's what JJ Watt has done great for so many years is when they get past the offensive lineman, how quickly, how quickly do they go from like getting past them to sacking the quarterback? And Kayvon's really good at that. Like once he gets past, boom, he's like able to get to get to the quarterback. Um, another concern that I felt kind of unfounded was this idea of he doesn't run downfield and he lacks hustle in the field. Um, go back and watch him as a true freshman in 19. Go watch him last season. I mean, he was he was he blocked punts as a true freshman. He's running downfield, catching guys from behind. There's a play in the in the Pac-12 championship game in 2019 where he chases down Tyler Huntley for a tackle for loss on the sideline. Last season, he gets hurt against Fresno in week one. Before that, by the way, he had a pressure and a strip sack in the first two drives of the game. Gets hurt down the field. Like, going to make a play down the field, someone rolls on his ankle. He's out about four weeks. And then he just, like, decided, I'm not going to run down the field anymore. I'm not going to get hurt, which I get it. I mean, is it great? No. But he clearly was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Because he had done it throughout his entire career. Right. I think, guess what? I think he'll do it in the NFL. Like, right. I, I don't know why he wouldn't. And I feel like this is a thing. Well, if he's worried about his brand, he'll do it in the NFL because yeah. the better player you are, the better yeah. it's going to help your brand. And, you know, if you're and, a star and you're an all pro, that's the best way to, to grow your brand. Exactly. But I also think like, you know, this is a, a Pac-12 issue. Like people don't pay attention to the Pac-12, which is fine. It is what it is. So you don't kind of know the ins and outs of like the injury that he had and, you know, like the idea that he doesn't love football, he didn't have to come back. Like when they lost to Stanford, Oregon did, the title was done. Like they weren't winning a championship. Like that was it. They weren't going to the championship game. He could have just sat out after that. He, he got tossed from the game for a really bad, um, a really bad uh, helmet targeting. to helmet. I mean, not, it wasn't even helmet to helmet targeting. Like he just been like, you know what, Jordan, Oregon, I'm done. I'm not playing anymore. I'm going to the NFL. We, we, we would have been like, cool, buddy. Good for you. Yeah. Like, Joe Shane said that. Season. Joe Shane said but, that he, they, they were, they were, you know, he didn't have to come back. That was one of the things they liked about him that helped him, you know, him check out is that he didn't have to come back. He suffered a pretty serious ankle injury. Like you said, he missed some time. And, but then he, he elected to come back when quite frankly, he didn't need to come back right. for his draft prospects. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll refer back to, to Justin Herbert for a second, because, you know, when I watched Justin Herbert play, I said, Hey everyone, like he's got a lot of talent. 
And I want to see him in a, in a better fit offensively. Like I just want to see him in a pro offense where he's got pro wide receivers and whatnot. And I was right. And the thing about Kayvon Thibodeau, I say the same thing as well, because if you watch him play in Oregon, he dropped into coverage eight times a game. He played Sam linebacker. Right. He played inside on rundown. Just let him rush the quarterback. Yeah. Just let him just, and I think the giants would be like, you know what, buddy, this is where you're lining up. Go get the quarterback. And I just want, and I think he'll be, I think he'll be good. I, I really think that they, they got themselves a good player here. And again, like to think he doesn't want this man, he grew up in South Central Los Angeles. Like to say that he doesn't want to be great. Like, like he just is, I just, I just don't believe all these things about him not loving football. Like this is, this is his dream, his passion to go to the NFL, to play college football, to, you know, to, to he was a five-star recruit. Like, again, go watch his film as a true freshman, as a true sophomore, um, and then last season. So I don't buy this, like, doesn't love football thing. I, I just don't get it, man. If you listen to him talk about his upbringing, his childhood, what, what he went through, where he went to, and how he got to where he is, like, of course he loves football. Look, okay, so I, when I talk to NFL people, most of them really, they agree. They didn't, I, I really didn't speak to one person who, who thought that was overly concerning, that part of it. To me, it was their evaluation of him as a player. It seemed to be a disconnect between the public perception that he's – you know, freakish, outrageous, like he's the Chase Young level, Miles Garrett level prospect. And the idea that he, in a, in a better draft year, he's probably a borderline top 10 pick in their minds because yeah. they didn't see counter moves. They didn't see yeah, a lot of depth fair. to his game. They thought he was a little bit on the smallish side. Uh, like he didn't have the, like when they looked at him, they're like, oh, he's not that big. He didn't see Jadavian Clowney, which is well, the uh, that, comparison well, a lot well, of people make. Well, that's the media. And then he has, just, he has that first step and that that's like his skill. And if you don't develop on beyond that, it's hard to just right. win with the first step at the NFL game. Sure. Like, but what, do you, maybe what the, do you say to that? Maybe the media shouldn't compare a guy who's 250 pounds to Clowney and Miles Garrett. Like that's not my, that's not his fault. So it's almost it. like there's an unrealistic <laughs> expectation on him that he's, he's that kind of prospect. He's more like the next tier of prospect probably. Well, like that would okay. be fair to him. I know that this is obviously a comparison that's not fair to cave on, but you know, the off the defensive coordinator Oregon last year coached Vaughn Miller at AM. And he says he's he more comparable to him, just body structure yeah, than he is to, to Clowney. He's six three and a half, two fifty. That's what Vaughn Miller is, mm-hmm. right? Like the first step, right? Like of course Vaughn is better than him. Um, and it's hard to be Vaughn Miller, but that's the comparison. It's not Clowney or Miles Garrett. I think we just thought I, again when you're comparing him to Von Miller, the well, expectations I, now well, are so high. But I think he just, you know, of course, this is coach speak, right? It's, it's it's a coach saying like, "Hey, the body structure of this player is more like Von Miller than it is Clowney." Like, so they, let's say a lesser Von Miller. Yeah, of course, no one's Von <laughs> Miller, no one's Aaron Donald. Like, I get that, but well, I think I think people, especially when he's drafted fifth, are going to want him to be Von Miller. You know, produce like Von Miller and well, be an all pro like Von Miller. And I think that. I think he can get there. Um, I, I, I'm just not down, as down on him as other people have been. Like, I mean, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted a guy who had, what, nine sacks in three seasons? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. I, I, that's you, a different are, conversation have, for another day, the whole Trayvon Walker. I'm just saying, like, people have, people have more faith in a player that didn't produce at all in college because he has tools, like physical traits, but not the guy that produced in college and still also has physical traits. The one thing that really stood out to me when you talk about producing is Thibodeau's pressure rate, which is something that seems to be uh, an analytic that translates to the NFL, was really high. I think he was at 17% or so pressure rate, which is is really good. 
So that that gives me hope that all right, yeah. it's there. They just need to unlock it and refine him, and we'll see. We'll see what he kind of develops into there. Yeah, I'm so, with you. Um, so overall, you you like uh, you you like the Giants right? You're high on those two guys, so I assume yeah, you I, like I, the Giants draft class. Yeah, I look. Um, I don't really. You know pretend. anything about Zudu or uh, McKeithen? No, not really. I don't really pretend to like prepare for the draft outside of like the top two rounds. <laughs> Right. I just I don't have time. I, and I'm, you know those front first two guys because that's your wheelhouse. Yeah, and like I'm also just like full time doing other stuff. It's hard to just know. Like I leave that the draft grades up to like you know Dane Brugler and, and a bunch of the other guys that you know that's Kuiper. what they do. Um, you know, uh, where ESPN is Kuiper and McShay. Yeah, and Matt Millen. Sorry, yes, yeah, sorry. I have to. Yes, and Jordan for, Reed. Yes, for your for company purposes, it is those four guys. Yes, um, and I'll, no I'll, one else exists. And Matt, Matt and I talk quite often, so I love Matt. Uh, we used to have dinner every year at the Super Bowl. He didn't, he wasn't able to go this past year. It was sad. Um, but yeah, I look, I those are you know, if you're drafting an offensive lineman outside of the top two rounds, you know, you draft them for probably depth in the first year and then move and hopefully they become a starter um at some point. So yeah, I know people thought the the Wanda Robinson pick was a little rich at that time. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I was speaking to an executive today who didn't really think it was much out of the range that they, they kind of expected him to go. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, again, like it's all, you know, draft boards are every team has their own draft board, obviously, you know, I think that the consensus media, big boards are probably pretty close this year. Obviously quarterback was probably pretty off. Um, I feel like everyone else is pretty right about Cole strange, except the Patriots <laughs> had a much higher grade than anyone else did. We'll yeah, they're, see. They're, they're we'll about see. Right. I don't know. So we'll see. So, I know yeah, he hasn't I, fared so that well in the draft, but I don't. I, I, in general, considering the results, I don't know if I'm going to bet hard against Bill Belichick. But I'm, hey, I'm, that's just me. Duke can coach, man. Like that's the thing is about like I, I don't know if they're ever going to like be win two roles with Mac Jones, but I mean they made a playoffs with Mac Jones. Like how many how many coaches are making the playoffs with Mac Jones? Yeah. Well, in a division with Buffalo, I think he could be pretty good. I'm a Mac guy. I like. Are Mac. you? Yeah, I do. I do. But that's not for this podcast. So no, it's not. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here so that we don't we don't go too long. But we appreciate it. Continued success, Jeff. Thank you. We 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 not everybody saw this from New York. You know those final few years in New York to here, but we know we know you put in the hard work and you deserve all the success. Thank you. Appreciate it. it. So we'll talk again soon. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks to Jeff Schwartz right there. That was a really good segment. Now we're going to get to Jordan on the beat. This is the portion of the podcast where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, cover the NFL, or work for ESPN in general. And you're in this when you're in this role, it's similar to being like a player in the organization or any job, really. It's important to do self-evaluation. So we're going to look back now at my draft coverage. and. Look back specifically at the piece I wrote right before the draft, the most likely players selected by the Giants. And then pick five, I did not have uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. I did have Evan Neal, number one. And then pick seven, I did not have Evan Neal, who I had number one on the list of most likely picks for number five. What I, sh- what I kind of, you know, beating myself up over is I should have prepare for this contingency of it flipping around and them having to draft either cornerback or edge rusher at five and not at seven. Now, if Sauce Gardner was available, 
I do believe this would have played out differently. I do believe the Giants would have went if Sauce Gardner at four, if all three tackles were still left and Sauce Gardner, right? Let's say let's say the Jets took Jermaine Johnson, who they end up taking what late in the round, but apparently had at the top ten pick, which is kind of what I thought it was going out. Then I do think they would have taken Sauce Gardner, waited, and taken Evan Neal at seven. So even then, I should have put Neal on my on my list of potential seven picks. The Thibodeau part of it, I feel I just underplayed a little bit. I had him on the list of options at seven. I didn't rule him out. I had heard originally that the Giants probably weren't going to go there. And then later on in the process, probably the week of the draft, you know, you heard a little more buzz of saying, you know, they, they you know, don't rule him out. Don't completely rule him out. And what I wrote was he's number four on potential targets at number seven is, uh, there has been a lot of talk about Thibodeau's motivation and his focus on his personal brand that could create some hesitation to have him in New York. But the Giants have done a ton of work on him and don't appear turned off by that stuff. Okay. His perceived fall, more to do with potentially being a good, not great player, as I mentioned, we talked about earlier. Thibodeau does have the ideal first step in pass rush production to make this pick, uh, a, to make uh, this a pick the Giants need to make. Shane didn't fly across this country to attend his pro day for no reason. And that is, I need to, going forward in the future, put more stock in. Think about it. Joe Shane, some of the pro days he did go to. Cincinnati, apparently he loves Sauce Gardner. He took Darian Beavers in the seventh round. He went to Oregon pro day, right? They drafted Kayvon Thibodeau. Number five overall. Alabama, I think he was out of Alabama. I'm not positive, but I think he went to Alabama the day before, maybe. He went to Oregon. So then Evan Neal as well. So following the crumbs is going to be important here when it comes to Joe Shane and his tendencies in the draft. And I have to take note of that. Uh that that is something I need to pay very close attention to going forward. And I I will say this, and, and this is something that I often tend to do, and I don't usually fall for, you know, the, the okey-doke. I had heard Evan Neal was their guy, was going to be their guy as the top tackle several weeks before. And ever, all the smoke with Charles Cross kept growing and growing, and I started to doubt myself, and I even called back certain people that I've had this conversation with. And I said, what do you think? I mean, I, I, it's Neil, but I'm, I'm starting to doubt myself. And I stuck with Neil over Charles Cross on the top of the list for pick five. Now, granted, let's be fair. I'm not that far off with Evan Neal when I have him really as the likelihood to be pick five because he would have been their pick at pick five if one of the tackles had gone earlier and it wasn't him, like if Icky went four, Evan Neal would, would have been five, I believe. Cause then there's only two tackles left. So Neal would have been five and the giants would have crossed their fingers probably and hoped that Gardner was available at seven. Because it's apparent that they had Icky and Neal as their top two tackles with Charles cross a level below them. So all the smoke about Charles cross appeared to be that just smoke. Yeah, he fit what they did. They, they probably liked him, but not quite at the level of Evan Neal and Charles Cross. So I stuck with, with Evan Neal 
as my top tackle for the Giants. And that was smart because don't let all the smoke and all the noise, especially late in the process, the draft process, affect you. That should be a, a hard rule. And if I break it, I should be punished. I should let you, you know, take a free shot in, in my face. Shouldn't fall for that. So I'm glad I did that right, at least. I do regret having Thibodeau a little further down. I even had Jermaine Johnson above him. I thought the Giants might prefer Johnson, uh, but apparently all their concerns were eased throughout the process. And so while maybe at one point they would have been hesitant to take him, the more they met with him, the more they talked to him, the more they realized, okay, we feel comfortable with him as a person that he's going to work, that he's going to do the right things, that he wants to get better. Look, I don't care, and I don't think the Giants care, if his motivation to be great and to be a great player is money, fame, and his brand. There are a gazillion people like that. We could not field rosters in the NFL if we eliminated all those guys. You couldn't. And most people I talked to really didn't have a problem with that part of it. The work ethic. And Joe Shane said this, by the way. He had an ankle injury this past year. He, like, and I mentioned this with Jeff. He didn't have to come back. He was going to be a top 10 pick, whether he came back or not. And he did decide to come back. And he did decide to play. Kayvon Thibodeau didn't need to do that. So to, that, that did say something. That did help solidify the Giants' concerns, I believe, about him. So, all right, that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. We will do a uh, Giants After Dark probably somewhere on social media, maybe even on YouTube. Give me some feedback on how the YouTube's going. Um, I'm going to have this interview with Jeff Schwartz. I think I'm going to put that up on YouTube as well, uh, just to sort of supplement. Hey, not everyone listens to the podcast. Maybe they'd rather catch the interview on YouTube. Uh, this way, you know, it kind of feeds everybody. But for the full podcast episode that includes me and not just the interview, my opinion on things, if you want that, if you care for that, if you want the little nuggets that I throw in, you know, you're going to have to come to the podcast, Breaking Big Blue. You can find it, you know, everywhere, you know, Apple, uh, anywhere you get your podcast, including the new ESPN New York app, which is pretty sweet. So make sure you check that out as well. As always, you can find me Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube now. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.